Your life's not like anyone else's. And chances are you found yourself on adventures you never planned to take. It's all part of this crazy journey we call life. Learning how to embrace the unexpected while working to live your best life is not easy. But you've come to the right place. Because in my world, if it's highly unlikely, it's practically guaranteed to happen. I'm Lavina Perry, and this is the Highly Unlikely Podcast. Welcome to the Highly Unlikely Podcast. I am so happy to have you here today. If you have ever thought about needing to improve the relationships in your life, you are in the right place. Today is all about developing the kinds of relationships you want. There is nothing in the world more important to me than having positive relationships with my kids. When they were little, it was so easy. I mean, they just loved me, and I adored them from the top of their fuzzy little heads down to their tiny little toes. And not only did they love spending time with me, so much that they couldn't bear to be parted with me even long enough for me to pee with the door closed. I know there's moms out there nodding their heads, but they thought I was so funny. I would just say like silly little things to them and they would laugh and laugh. We would sing songs together and have dance parties in the kitchen, snuggle up to read at night. They were my absolute favorite people in the entire world. As they went through the metamorphosis of childhood into their teenage years, my relationship with them became so much more complicated and I was not prepared. Their adoring love and attachment morphed into annoyance, irritation, and despise. I swear, they despised me at times more than once. I mean, I have been told I hate you by every single one of my kids. Thankfully, not all on the same day. And if I'm being honest, I don't really appreciate them sometimes. And that is an incredibly unpopular thing to say, and I have no idea if other mothers ever feel that way, but it's the truth. And I always loved them, and I would do anything, literally anything, to protect them. But man, I have really struggled to like them at times. Maybe because I am not one of those mothers that just sees all the wonderful things about my kids. I mean, I am very aware of who they are. And if someone comes to me and tells me something about one of my children that they've done, I I have one of two thoughts. Yeah, that sounds like them. Or are they talking about the right kid? In fact, just a few weeks ago, a neighbor came to my door and brought something to my attention that she felt like I needed to be aware of. This is a whole conversation we could have about how parents react when someone tells them something unpleasant about their child. Because seriously, some of y'all need a reality check. But I'm not that mom. I have lived in the real world of children who make unfortunate choices for long enough that I'm just grateful when it's a neighbor at my door telling me something and not the police. But as my neighbor was talking, I just kept thinking, really? They can't possibly be talking about this one. 
Now, there's another one that would have done that for sure, but not this one. But I didn't say that. I just listened and thanked her for letting me know and encouraged her to feel free to reach out to me anytime if she has a concern because, frankly, I super appreciate a village that helps me raise my kids. After investigating, come to find out that the explanation for what happened with photo evidence completely made sense and I was completely right in my doubts because I have a very realistic understanding about who my kids are and sometimes they're jerks. But this wasn't one of those times. Thank heavens. I have incredibly strong-minded, independent humans with super sassy mouths, and rebellious souls. And I should not be surprised by that at all because even though they're all so different, I see those parts of myself in all of them. And it turns out that living with the teenage version of me is not that fun. And there was a point that it was not going well. But the results of the struggle, with no tools to grow into it or through it, was that the relationships that I valued the most, the relationships with my children, had turned into a broken mess before I even realized that such a thing could happen. Since then, I've worked on my relationships with my kids for several years, and today I want to share some things with you that I have learned that can actually be applied to any relationship. But the first most important thing to understand is that there's not a a one-size-fits-all to having a great relationship with someone. I mean, there's a a set of tools you can use to build a healthy relationship, but which tools you use and how you use them is unique for every human in your life. Because the relationships are kind of like custom carpentry. I mean, if you're a carpenter who builds things for customers based on their individual space and their vision and their needs, you're going to have the same set of carpentry tools available to you for every job but what tools are required when you need them, how you use them, and the work that you create is going to be completely different every time, depending on the job that you're doing. And relationships are the same. Every person you want to build a relationship with is unique, and the tools needed for that person, when you apply them and how you use them, will be unique to that person. So the tools we're going to discuss today, tool one, is love language. If you haven't read Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, put it on your list, preferably towards the top, because a love language is how a person receives love. What I learned from reading this book is that there are five distinct love languages, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. And It doesn't matter how you feel about someone. I mean, you can love them to the moon and back. But if you don't express that love in their language, they will not be able to receive it. For example, my mom's love language is acts of service, closely followed by quality time. So when my mom comes to visit, she wants to work on projects, clean things, do things together. I used to get super annoyed that she always wanted to be doing something. I just wanted to just sit back and just take five and relax. Then I went to visit her 
one time and we pulled some weeds from her flower bed in her front yard and just chatted. And I realized that is how she feels loved. And when she wants to clean things or do projects at my house, she's showing me that she loves me, which I now appreciate intensely. But my love language is hard and fast words of affirmation. I scored a very lowest on gifts. If you take the love language quiz, it actually tells you what your love language is and shows how you rank for the five love languages. My very lowest score is gifts. I do not feel loved when I get a gift at all. Man, do I love some pretty words voiced in my direction. Words matter to me. I want to be told how you feel through writing or speaking or music. And the interesting thing about love languages is that the way you feel loved is also the way that you get hurt the easiest. So when someone says mean things to me, it causes me actual pain. Once you know what someone's love language is, then you're able to fill their tank with love in a way that is meaningful to them, which we're going to discuss a little bit later. But the second tool that I want to discuss now is listening. As a mom, I often find myself with many irons in the fire at once. And with three children, I spent a lot of my time with a lot of loud voices in the background while I did other things. Often I would have one or more child complaining about something that another one had done, and it wasn't really anything I needed to be super involved with. So I wanted them to work it out on their own if they could. So my mind developed scripts that would deal with the problem without needing to give it my full attention because they happened so often. And it would go something like, mom, he took my toy, which was, you know, multiple times a day. And my brain would just automatically spit out, tell him I said, give it back. And then they would run off and I would hear in the background a triumphant little voice yell out, mom said, give it back. And I would always hope that that was the end of the fight. But over time, I became conditioned to have conversations on autopilot with them. And as they got older, I realized I wasn't always listening when they came to talk to me. And as they get older, it's so important to really listen. Not being present when they talk to me became a huge divide in my relationship with them. So young mother... Listen to my words. Stop what you are doing, even for a few seconds, and listen to the words coming out of their little mouths. Train your brain that when one of your children speaks, to immediately key into what they are saying. Because when they get older, which will happen in about five seconds, the trained ability to focus on what they are saying every single time they open their mouth is going to be of immense value to you. Yes, I realize what I'm asking of you, and I know it's like seems impossibly hard, but that's part of showing up and being present. And that's what you signed up for when you had them. Like the fine print on the timeshare contract, you probably had no idea that was there or what it actually meant, but it's just as binding as if they told you up front. Being present and listening to your children is part of the contract you agree to when you had a baby. Even if 95% of what comes out of their mouth at this stage of their little life is super boring, whiny like Caillou, 
or complete nonsense. Listen to their words. This practice will help you to learn how to focus, discern, and teach them that you are always available and present to them when they need you. This tool is vastly important in every relationship, not just with your kids. And communication issues often have a root in one or both parties not feeling like they are being listened to, and then they stop talking. And to compound the issue, the person who learned that what they say doesn't matter so they stopped talking carries that into other relationships. More than one job has ended over communication issues. More than one marriage has ended in divorce because of problems that started when communication stopped. Learn how to use this tool by actively listening and paying attention to what is being said and not thinking about what you're going to say next. And the third tool, show up. If you take anything away from today, let it be this one thing. Show up in meaningful ways for the people you love. This is more than being physically present. This is being emotionally present and available in ways that are meaningful to the person you are trying to build a relationship with. My late husband loved NASCAR. Honestly, if I never see another car drive around in a circle for hours, I will not feel like I've missed anything. But he loved it. So I would sit and watch NASCAR with him because it was one of the things I could do to share something with him that was important to him to spend time with him. We even went to a NASCAR race together in North Carolina, and then we volunteered to work at two NASCAR races when we lived in Las Vegas just so we could be at the race. I didn't realize at the time that I was showing up for him in a way that was meaningful to him because I didn't know anything about anything back then. I just wanted to connect with him and find things that we could do together. To him, that was me being present and showing interest in something that he loved that was meaningful to him. For my son, listening to him talk about video games, computers, his dreams, and all the random stuff he thinks about is how he needs to connect. So to show up for him in a way that is meaningful to him involves listening, which now that I understand that about him, it's really easy to see where our relationship fell apart when he was a teenager because I had a hard time listening to him talk about random things for years. I can only hope that showing up for him now will be enough because I had no idea how important it was for him when he was younger and he desperately needed a mom that would just listen. I mean, I went to every soccer game, every t-ball game, every wrestling meet, Every concert, every marching band competition, uh, drumline competition, I sat entire days of my life in bleachers watching him compete. All of it. I was there. I always made sure he had clean clothes, a a mostly clean house, home-cooked meals, and a good education. Now, I spent time teaching him all kinds of things. I encouraged him to be outside and be active and learn things, and go on adventures. But that wasn't meaningful to him because that's not how he receives love. What he needed was just to have a mom that sat and listened to him talk, which 
You would think I would have appreciated more, having been told once upon a time that spoken language would never be his main form of communication. But I was so busy doing all the things that I thought he needed, I missed the one thing that he really wanted. Now, I know better, and so I try really hard to do better. When he comes into my room and says, Mom, I need some constructive criticism, then (laughs) I will stop what I'm doing and I will listen, which is probably him telling me that he's gotten himself into something absurd or had someone ask him something absurd and he doesn't know how to respond. So I just feel really good that we are in a place now where he comes to me and wants to have those conversations. That's a huge win for us. Showing up in meaningful ways for the people who matter to you can take on many forms. And the key is finding out what is meaningful to them. If they are important to you, then making sure that you are showing up for them in meaningful ways needs to be important to you too. Even when it's hard, even when you're tired or struggling or overwhelmed, Showing up overcomes many other weaknesses in your relationship. You might not be a great listener, and your child will not be the first person to survive having a mother that was too busy to listen to them talk about the 900 different types of dinosaurs that ever existed. But always being there, showing them love in a way that they receive it, will counteract a host of other weaknesses. And really, There's never been a perfect mother. Never. You are going to fail in one way or another. Making showing up in a meaningful way a priority will help your child feel your love in spite of your weaknesses because their tank will always be full. I have a child that has a love language of gifts, and gifts are the very least important thing to me. But once I realized that this was her love language, I understood her so much better. And I also understood that I had really been failing her because gifts just are not important to me. And so it never occurred to me that I should even consider that she needed to have gifts to feel loved. After her dad died, she was constantly wanting me to buy her things, like every single day, sometimes more than once a day. She wanted to go do things that cost money. She wanted a steady stream of new clothes to come through the door, have her nails done, new makeup, just everything. Once I recognized this behavior for what it was, it changed our relationship. She was seeking love and reassurance from me. She feels love through gifts. And having just lost her dad, she needed that love and reassurance more than ever before. So I found ways to fill that tank and that need for gifts in a a healthier and less expensive way. That doesn't mean she still doesn't appreciate a new pair of Vans and the newest champion hoodie. I mean, the girl does have style. But I was able to show her love through things like getting her favorite snack at the grocery store, giving her $2 to walk to the gas station with her friend to get a big gulp or showing up with her with a package of her favorite rubber bands for her hair. And never underestimate the power of a snack-sized Hershey bar on a grumpy teenager. These things are meaningful to her and show her that I care. 
And since I started initiating this process, she doesn't ask for things all the time anymore. She feels loved and secure, and that has resulted in a decrease in her need to constantly seek out that reassurance. And it has changed our relationship in meaningful and positive ways. It built trust between us and helped her feel safe to come to me when she's having a problem or when she's struggling with something. But the beauty of figuring out how someone feels loved and then giving them love in a way that's meaningful to them is that it can be used in any relationship. Because really, we all just want to be loved and accepted, and we will go where we can find love and acceptance. My favorite employees when I was an office manager were the people who noticed my new outfit or complimented me on the work I did. Because they made me feel like they cared by saying something nice to me. Because that's my love language. Does your boss go around the office and spend time talking to everyone? That may be a sign that quality time is very important to it. Or taking a few minutes to talk about baseball because they are an avid Rockies fan can go a long ways towards improving an otherwise strained relationship. Does your bestie like come over and like do your dishes or wipe down your counters for you? Man, I would love that. But maybe she maybe she's an acts of service girl and would really appreciate the little things that you do for her. Being able to make someone feel loved through showing up for them in ways that are meaningful is actual magic. And it's okay for you to tell people how to show up for you. Share with them what is meaningful to you so that they they know and then they have an opportunity to fulfill your needs. This makes me think of the movie The Invention of Lying. If you haven't seen it, the characters live in a world where everyone is completely honest. Like they just say everything in a brutally honest and like non-emotional way. Imagine if you can like how different our conversations would be if you asked someone how they're doing and they actually told you and didn't just say fine. I feel like we could like introduce ourselves if we lived in this world, we could just, you know, introduce ourselves honestly and say like, "Hi, I'm Lavina. My love language is words of affirmation." I have a lot of emotional baggage from all the crazy things that ever happened to me, but I do a lot of therapy, so I function normally, right? <laughs> okay, so maybe you don't need to be that direct, but telling your mom, I love it when you spend time working on projects with me or letting your boss know how much you appreciate feedback on the work you are doing. That lets people know what you need and how they can show up for you. But when it comes to your partner, Please take the time to directly have this conversation. I can't tell you how many good people are in miserable marriages that could have like 90% of their issues corrected or improved if they had an open and honest conversation about how to show up for each other in ways that are meaningful to them. I am not suggesting that one conversation can fix all your problems, but what I am saying is that it can be a starting point to heal an otherwise healthy marriage. Whatever relationship you're looking to improve, start here. Figure out what is meaningful to that person and then start showing up in that way. But not all relationships can be fixed and not all relationships should be fixed. If you find yourself surrounded by toxic people who are a negative influence in your life, 
It is 100% okay to set boundaries and create some space. I know I've mentioned this several times because it's just so important. You need to find people who are positive and supportive. And I know that there's people who say, well, you know, I don't have anybody like that in my life. My answer to you is go where they are and meet them. I mean, follow Facebook groups for people who are interested in personal development or people who are doing life coaching. Find groups in your area for people who are interested in the same things that you're interested in. If you're into hiking, find a group that gets together and goes hiking. Hiking people are awesome. I have met some of the loveliest people I have ever known through my grief group. One of them loves new adventures like I do, so she agreed to go golfing with me even though she didn't golf. And we started golfing together. And then we had some other ladies join in, which I was terrible at this summer because of my school schedule. But next year, I am going to be on the green again with my golfing ladies. They are supportive and uplifting, and they don't judge my terrible golf skills. But while we golf, we talk. We share ideas, we give each other support, fill each other with encouragement, just to sometimes just to keep moving forward. Plus, we get our steps in for the day. Bonus. My point is find a tribe that encourages you on the path you want to be on, not a tribe that keeps you trapped on a path you're trying to change. The right tribe will help you along a good path and cheer you on to success. That is what I want for every single one of you. A tribe of cheerleaders cheering you on from the sidelines as you walk down the path to the life you want. And by focusing on building and developing healthy relationships in your life, you will find the relationships and the tribe that you are looking for. That's all I have for you today. Until next time, take care of yourself. Be kind and live your best life. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Highly Unlikely Podcast, you can find more by following me on Facebook at A Highly Unlikely Life or find me on the web at a highly unlikely life.com. And don't forget to subscribe.